1: HollywoodTakeover.com slash Jesse.
0: This is the Jesse Kelly Show.
1: It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Final hour of the Jesse Kelly Show on an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. And then it's weekend time, baby. You can email the show Jesse at Jesse Let's do a little history before we get back to the politics about New Mexico's governor and that second amendment. And some guy wants to know if JFK was the first system disruptor and is money real or fake. All that's still coming on this hour and so much more. We're going to get to a lot this hour, but I want to do this real quick. Guy wanted to know about my thoughts on MacArthur. How do I, how different than I think, do I think the U S would have been had he run? well, Look, I don't like Douglas MacArthur. I understand for many people that is offensive, flat-out offensive because they think he's a hero. Many people, they agree. Allow me to explain something first about me because this is going to come into why I don't like him. I despise, despise people who try to lead without putting themselves in what their people are going through at all. I hate people who don't lead from the front, I guess is a better way I could put it. And having spent just four years in the Marines, I was a four-year infantry Marine, just an average Marine, nothing special. I really, really, really learned to despise officers. Not all of them, but most of them. It's I won't even say many, most of them, I despise them. What are officers? Well, they come out of college, and they're in charge. They're definitely in charge. Everyone has to salute them. And so often, in fact, the vast majority of the time, in my experience, the officers were simply people who felt that they were above the men that they led, didn't really want to get involved with the men that they led, certainly didn't want to get icky and muddy with the men that they led. And most of the time they were complete and utter morons and we had to lead them around, which was frustrating because you're supposed to be leading me and they just don't care for officers. All right. So that's just me bearing my soul. That's going to come into play when it comes to Douglas MacArthur. You listeners of the show, longtime listeners will already know this story. Most people of history will know this story. So I'm just going to do it very, very briefly. Right before World War II, well, before World War II, we were really involved in the Philippines. We had originally conquered the Philippines. We kind of were given the Philippines in a deal after we won the Spanish-American War. That was the war we fought with. We fought it actually in Cuba. We ended up with, you know, the Philippines. Anyway, long story short, we have the Philippines. We fight some nasty little insurgency over there against all these tribal groups. It's really brutal. But we ended up coming to an understanding with the Philippine people, and it was a wonderful understanding. So we started integrating ourselves with them, and they loved it, and we loved it. So we we had a real light hand, and we were bringing all this industry into there. GM, you know, General Motors, all these things. The GM's coming in. All of a sudden there's air conditioning and movie theaters over there. And it's a real, it's a wonderful relationship and it's a wonderful working relationship. It's a wonderful military relationship. We're not some occupying force. We set up some big base and we train their people. We train with their people. And the Philippine post is thought of if you're in the service at the time as a pretty cherry post. If you go look at it, it's where you go Drink some Philippine beer and chase around some Philippine dimes and spend some time on the beach and life is good, right? Life is good. Well, then the Japanese decide they're going to bomb Pearl Harbor, innovate everywhere, and soon they, they're they taking the Philippines. Our guys, these were not a bunch of hardened veterans there on the Philippines. And again, there, there weren't a bunch of spec ops types, right? These were just, they were just pogues. They were uh, people who weren't even grunts. They were just kind of admin types. I'm not bad-mouthing them, but they were admin types on a cushy gig. Soon they find themselves isolated on Bataan. Now, you know the name Bataan because everyone knows what the Bataan Death March is. But Bataan, you can look it up. It's still there. It was a big peninsula. A big peninsula. And the plan was by MacArthur, because he was in charge of the Philippines at the time. The plan was... We gather all of our U.S. forces on this peninsula on Bataan and we get all the supplies they need. And what would this will be? It'll essentially be a fortress, a last stand fortress where we'll fortify Bataan and then the Japanese won't be able to penetrate. So okay, the Japanese attack and they're kicking around everyone in Asia, everyone, us, everybody. And they finally have our guys isolated on Bataan. Now off of Bataan, there is an island. The island is called Corregidor. Obviously, it's still there. The island didn't disappear. What we had done was fortify a gigantic underground command center on Corregidor, the island of Corregidor. So that's where our military command could fall back and be in charge. Our troops, as they began to get isolated, as they were isolated on Bataan, they very quickly began to starve. Keep in mind, these are not hardened infantry guys. Again, these are guys who 15 minutes before were on a nice cherry post with the Philippine dime on their lap. Now they're eating baby monkeys in the jungle to try to survive. I'm not making that up. Disease, horrible. Japanese artillery. The Japanese are already beginning with their terror tactics where they're infiltrating the lines. They're cutting people's throats at night and they're fighting holes. It's It's a nightmarish Hellish scene. The Bataan Death March. Part of the reason it was so horrific is it was these guys after the surrender. It was these guys. They were all already emaciated from starvation and disease by the time the march started. It wasn't like the march started with a bunch of healthy young troops. These guys all looked like skeletons. They'd been pooping themselves to death for weeks. All that jungle rot and disease. They were skeletons half-dead when it started. But before we get to that death march thing, in fact, we're not going to go there today. Let's get to MacArthur and why I dislike him. MacArthur was... you Look, you can always tell about a commander. You can always tell about an officer, not by outside opinions, but by the men under their command. How do they think about them? I uh, was reading a story last night about a submarine commander in World War II He was so well thought of by his men. Keep in mind, an enlisted marine, a marine, an enlisted sailor on a submarine in World War II didn't make anything. He made virtually nothing. This submarine commander was so well thought of by his men, they pooled together their money at the end and bought him a gold watch. Other parts of the war, the officers were being shot in the back by their men, called "fragged," because they were so evil and wrong. This guy was getting a gold watch bought for him. The men don't lie. The men know. The men under the officer's command know whether he's good or bad. And you should know it doesn't have anything to do with nice. Many of these guys were very hard, very strict on their men. That's fine. Men are fine with that. Men actually can prefer that. You show you're willing to lead from the front, fight with them, care about them. You can be as strict as you want. That's fine. It's not, not nice or mean thing. Now let's go back to Douglas MacArthur. Do you know what the men, as they were starving to death on Bataan, called Douglas MacArthur? Dugout Doug. Do you know why they called him Dugout Doug? Because while they were eating monkeys and fighting off Japanese bayonet attacks in the middle of the Bataan jungle, Douglas MacArthur spent all of his time eating nice warm meals on Corregidor and yes he was under orders to do so i realized that he was ordered by fdr to leave but he was ordered to leave so he was not captured by the japanese and they snuck a boat over to corregidor even though there was a japanese naval blockade at the time and he got on that boat with his family and while his men were about to embark on the baton death march where they would be buried alive and starved to death and tortured to death many of those men would suffer horrifically for the next three, four years in Japanese captivity, Douglas MacArthur got on a boat and went to Australia. For me, that's unforgivable. For the man in charge of the troops, under orders or not, to get on a boat and leave while his men move on, go on to suffer, for me, that's unforgivable. That is why I can't stand Douglas MacArthur. And look, it's who he was. In Korea, remember, because he was still in charge of things in Korea, when our guys were fighting tooth and nail, freezing to death, fighting this horrible action in Korea, this horrible, nasty little affair. Did you know that Douglas MacArthur, because he was in charge of Japan at the time, but he was really in charge of prosecuting that war, that he did not spend a single night in Korea? Didn't want to leave the air conditioning, the hotel, the life of luxury. Sorry, that's not leadership for me. It's not. That is why I don't like Douglas MacArthur. All right. This New Mexico governor and the Second Amendment, JFK and system disruption, fake money. We have much more to discuss tonight. We also have to discuss our shooting. You see, shooting skills are perishable skills. I found that out the hard way when I got out of the Marines. I was kind of just, just didn't feel like going to the range for the longest time. It was three, four years, I think, before I went back to the range. I'm fine. I've got it. I'm a Marine, of course. And I went, nah, I had lost quite a bit. Shooting skills must be maintained and improved upon. Mantis X. Mantis X. What is it? They send it to your home, it attaches to your weapon. And you dry fire practice in the comfort of your home. More than just target practice, you're getting actual feedback, improving your shooting as you practice. If you're a beginner, this is your coach for inside of your home. Whether you're brand new or super experienced, the Green Berets still use this. You will get better. You will get faster and deadlier with your Mantis X. Go get one. Mantis X com is where you go get it, all right? MantisX.com. Make sure you can shoot. Make sure you're fast. Make sure you're deadly. Make sure you join us again in just a second. Fighting for your freedom every day. USA! USA! The USA! Jesse
0: Kelly Show.
1: It is the Jesse Kelly Show on an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Our good friend Yuval Noah Harari, that evil monster who works for the WEF. He's still out there giving interviews on camera telling you exactly what the elites think about you, me, humanity, the world itself. This
2: is the end of human history. The end of human-dominated history. History will continue with somebody else in control. In five years, there'll be a technology that can make decisions independently and that can create new ideas independently. Maybe they'll be nice. Maybe they'll solve cancer and climate change, but we are not sure. I'm tending to think of it more in in terms of of, of really an alien invasion, an alien fleet of spaceships coming from planet Zircon or whatever with with highly intelligent beings. This is what we are facing, except that the aliens are not coming in spaceships from planet Zircon. They're coming from the laboratory. If the humans are divided among themselves and are in an in an arms race, then it's it becomes almost impossible to contain this alien intelligence.
1: Yeah. Anyway, Jesse, actually, this guy says Peach Fuzz Kelly. It's not nice. You often talk about President Trump being a system disruptor. Do you think that JFK and RFK were system disruptors and did this lead to their demise? Ooh. Well. Whenever I say Trump is a system disruptor, I will occasionally get somebody who emails in and says, no, that would be JFK. That would be JFK. I probably would include JFK in that list if there hadn't been such a long line of system servers between JFK and now. Yeah, you can probably make the argument that JFK was a system disruptor, but they stopped trying to disrupt the system about the time somebody blew his head off. So, who did that shooting? Obviously, I've told you my theories on that before. We're, we're really never going to get the final answer on everything. It only makes people even more suspicious that they continue to keep all the documentation of it classified. I do think it's pretty obvious, though. Some government agencies were involved in one way or another. Otherwise, why would you keep it classified? You keep things classified to protect somebody. To protect somebody. Well... That shooting took place in the 60s. The somebodies are all dead. So if you're not protecting an individual, that means you're protecting an organization, an organization that still is very much around and alive. Uh, Who knows? Uh, Jesse, among the reasons you've given for people to flee red states uh, uh, or flee blue states to red states, he just messed it up, Uh, talking about sheriffs did that tyrannical new mexico governor put herself in the position the uh, the very position the second amendment was written for i was waiting for local and state law enforcement there to tell her they will not arrest anyone who's complying with the with the law is this a dry run test for other blues what do you think well yes that's why sheriffs immediately came out and said i'm not going to enforce this her own democrat ag came out and said this is not constitutional today she came out And kind of backed off of it, backed off of it a little bit. Was it a test? It's always a test. They're always testing us. That's part of why I screamed so loudly about the COVID lockdowns when they were first suggested. When they first suggested them. Because I know how these people think. It's always a test. They see themselves as kings and queens. But I guess maybe I should add an addendum to that saying. It's not just that they see themselves as kings and queens. They see themselves as kings and queens who have not been given their total amount of power yet. They don't feel as if they've been given the power they truly deserve yet, that it's been denied to them by you. So they're constantly probing you to see what you will and won't allow. Hey, hey, what if we, what if we tell them to close their business? Do you think they'll do it? Hey, let's find out. Let's just tell Let's tell all of them. No, no, not all of them. Hey, we have Democrat friends in there, our big corporate donors. No, no, here's what we'll do. We'll tell the small businesses they all have to close. And we'll tell the big businesses they can open. And let's see what they do. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, they're all doing it. Look, they're doing it. Hey, hey, ho, hey, hey, hold on. This mask, this mask that we can all practically see through, let's tell them to wear one. And let's see if they do it. Let's see if they'll think it. Let's see if they think it works. No, it'll be hilarious. Let's see if they do it. And they passed it. And soon everyone's walking around with a mask, on. "Oh my gosh!" Oh, okay. Oh my gosh, they're doing it with the mask, guys. Guys, keep going. Keep going. Let's see what else. Hey, let's tell them. Let let's tell them just to stand six feet away from everybody. We'll even make the grocery aisles one way. No way they'll fall for that. No, they will. Die. What they will. Let's do it. Let's see what they do. And they they watched America do it over and over, and over, and over again. And that's why they kept going. That's why they brought it all back. That's why they're bringing it all back again. They want to see if they can it can work again. And it probably won't work again the way it did last time because people have kind of moved on from that thing, so they're going to have to find a new thing. But they're always testing. If you were a king who's been denied your kingship, wouldn't you be feeling things out? That's what they're always doing, feeling things out. You're on right. It was a test run. Hey, beef jerky hater! I didn't say I hated beef jerky. Okay, that's not what I said. I said it's overrated. It's not. It's not that great. It's pretty chewy. It is. It is pretty chewy, Michael. It is. Yeah, it is. That's what you like about it. It's, 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 it's a lot of work. It's almost like pistachios. I like pistachios. They're a lot of work. It's it's a lot of work. All right. That, no, it's not what makes it fun. It's not what ma- The eating it makes it fun. What are you talking about, Michael? Anyway, you know what's fun for me? Giving my dog rough greens. I've always found that to be fun. Actually, that's not true. I don't even give it to him. My kids do it. I don't have to do that at all. I'm not doing that. That's their job. They have to feed the dog. But I want them to give him rough greens. Why? Because I don't want him to have any more digestive problems. And no matter what food we switch to, Fred kept having digestive problems every single meal. And now he never has them because of Rough Greens. Because Rough Greens not only has vitamins, minerals, Rough Greens has probiotics, digestive enzymes. I'm making sure Fred not only lives longer, I'm making sure Fred lives better. Fred will go to the vet a lot less because I give him real nutrition. Nutrition we pour on his dog's food. Remember, it's an all-natural nutritional supplement. You pour it on your dog's food. You have to go to roughgreens.com slash jesse and there you'll get a free jumpstart trial bag. All you pay for is the shipping. Roughgreens.com slash jesse or call 833-33-MY-DOG. I keep hearing that a lot of people are still on the fence about owning gold and silver. Have we already forgotten about the bank closures? Inflation? Global instability? World War III that sadly may be coming? Look, now for an exclusive 10% discount. That's B Y R N a.com slash Jesse. We'll be back. It is the Jesse Kelly show on an ask Dr. Jesse Friday. I need to play this for you. I'm not going to play the whole thing again. Cause I played it all last night. I think I played it twice last night, but I got so many emails about it. This professor and scientist, his name is Dennis Meadows. Dennis Meadows. I got so many requests and comments about it, the the horrific things he says. And I got a bunch of people saying, what do you say his name was? What is his name? Dennis Meadows is this guy's name. In one way or another, we are globally, we are so far above the population
3: and the consumption levels, which can be supported by this planet, that I know in one way or another, it's going to come back down. So I don't hope to avoid that. Uh, I hope that it can occur in a, a, a civil way, I, I, and I mean civil in a, in a special way, I, peaceful. Peace doesn't mean uh, that everybody's happy, but it means that conflict isn't solved through violence, through, through force.
1: Just need to remove five, six billion people, just not violently. No, I mean, just, just, want, just calmly die, please. Uh, but rather in other ways,
3: and so uh, that's what I hope for the planet can support something like a billion people maybe two billion depending on how much liberty and how much material consumption you want to to have
1: do you want to be alive or do you want liberty you have to choose if you want more liberty
3: and more consumption you have to have fewer people and conversely you can have more people i mean we could even have Eight or nine billion, probably, if we have a very strong dictatorship, which is smart. That's, unfortunately, you never have smart dictatorships; they're always stupid. So, but if you had a smart dictatorship and a low standard of living, you can have a. But, but,
1: if you would just be poor and accept a dictatorship, then you can stay alive. If not, you have to die. That's how they think. All right, beef jerky hater. Last night, my four-year-old daughter asked me one of the hardest questions she has to date. I couldn't come up with an answer. She would comprehend. Is money real or fake? He says, I used to enjoy listening to your show, but I but now I'm hate listening over your recent comments on the greatest road trip snack, beef jerky. His name is Larry. Is money real or fake? Well, that's what's so wild about these times we live in. Before, when we had the gold standard, money was real because money, the dollar, it was known around the world. It was backed by gold. It was. Nixon moved us off of the gold standard. Now, it is fake. I mean, you can say it's fiat, but it is fake. There's nothing behind it. That's what's so crazy about this financial system we have now. We have all this debt whipped up. Remember, it's not just us. Globally, There's just staggering amounts of debt that's been compiled at this point. And then the interest rates on the debt. And it all looks like it's coming to this huge worldwide financial explosion that's going to be terrible, right? And it's all over money that's not even real anymore. It should have already popped. It's just that everyone has kind of agreed that the money's real, even though it's not real. So let's just kind of go along with everything. It's nuts to me. Jay Steele, super hypothetical for you. Let's say everyone finally gets fed up. We have a peaceful, amicable, amicable divorce in the USA. The libs go to the east and the conservatives head west. Let's say the dividing line is Kansas or whatever. What do you see the advantages and disadvantages of each side? Safer streets, infrastructure, media, productivity, military, etc. Also, over time, would this even be sustainable or would you see each territory as a hodgepodge of what we have now? Well, let's deal with the last question first. It'd be very sustainable for people on the right. Remember, on the right, people build. The right is about building. The right is about the preservation of liberty. Under those conditions, well, you'd have something similar to what you had for, oh, about the first 150 years of the United States of America. This economic juggernaut that was so prosperous, it it looked like it could power the entire planet. That's what the right created. Remember, that's you. That's the right. That's what you created. As far as the advantages and disadvantages go, there would be no advantages outside of one for the communist side. We don't have to hypo we don't have to have, you know, hypothesize about this whole thing. We know how communist countries end up. Poor and miserable with, with mass human death and disease and famine. That's what would come. There's no question about it. That's what would come for them. We would be incredibly prosperous. They would all be miserable and poor and most likely dead. The one thing we would fail on, we'd have to try to import it from them, is art. And that saddens me to say. But I'm talking about any artistic form of of expression. I'm talking about music, movies, TV. Yeah, Michael, I don't know why you're so shocked. We suck at it. The, The right... For whatever reason, maybe it's a logical thinking thing. That kind of insanely logical thinking doesn't usually lend itself to being a good musician or artist or something like that, a creative type. That's probably why I'm not creative. I don't know what, Michael. Now, that's a decent point. Michael said Asians are great at film and they usually lean right. Well, that's not necessarily... Asians are usually pretty agnostic when it comes to politics in this country. They have not... The Asians in America have not typically been very political at all. They've been a very apolitical group. I don't know if I'd say they lean right. Now, look, the truth is that we really, really, really are bad at that. And you see this in the movies and stuff that are coming out now. The, the quote, right-wing movies that are coming out now. They're getting better. You have a couple Christian movie studios who've made a few Christian movies out there. What is that last one? It was a Jesus Freak. What was that last one? Michael, what's that recent movie that was taken to place by storm? It was in theaters. Not Sound of Freedom. It was the Christian movie about not Jesus Christ Superstar, Michael. Oh, well, it was a movie about the, the foundation of Calvary Chapel. During the hippie era in California. It's a true story based on that. That did really well at the box office. And I, we went and saw that as a family. And it was good. I will tell you that those movies. The family values movies 10 years ago. Were so brutal and cringe. That yeah you went just to kind of. No it's not father stew either. Michael just stop guessing. It, uh, anyway they were so cringe and brutal. they just They were not even worth going to. Now they're worth going to. And they're better as the money to these studios has gotten better. They're hiring better directors, better writers, better actors. So they're getting better now. Like even that was a good movie. It wasn't great. It was a great message. You're not going to want to go see it again and again and again. It was a great message. The right is bad at art. And we're dismissive of it. And I, look, I'm as guilty as anybody. I'm not pointing fingers at you. That, that's me too. I can't count how many times I've rolled my eyes at this actor. No one cares about that guy. No one cares. Oh, what a, what a stupid idiot. We dismiss it when we shouldn't. That stuff is critically important. It is a huge part of a culture. Do you know, I, I look at my value system in my life, and I know this is going to sound totally weird and awful, but I bet you, Money, your value system is similar. My value system was influenced in part by John Wayne movies. Do you know that? That's what I did oftentimes to spend time with my dad when I was a kid. He loved John Wayne movies. You name it. El Dorado, the Cowboys, the Sons of Katie Elder, the Green Berets. That I, I've, I've seen them all. I've seen them all more times than I can count. The Shootist, all of them. You know, that, that men are supposed to be tough and do what's right. And, and, and re- the real men stand up against evil and all those things. Those had a positive influence on me in my life, and the values I have in my life. Entertainment is actually a really important part of culture, of every culture. It is a a critically important part, and we dismiss it at our own peril. That's part of the reason movies today, it's so kind of weird, the lines are so blended. Who's the bad guy? Well, I kind of felt bad for him. He's not really that bad, and the good guy's not that good. It's yet another thing they're destroying, the flattening of everything. No good, no bad. All right, you know what else influences my life? My cell phone. You see, cell phone companies are hugely powerful, and as we move forward in the future, we are going to have to be more and more wary of the cell phone companies we use. You already know Verizon, AT and T, and T-Mobile. You know they take your money and they use it to do horrible things, evil things. And you know Pure Talk doesn't. But more than that. What do you think they're going to say at Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile when the FBI calls and asks for your information a year from now? Do you think they're going to hold it back and protect you? Or do you think those system servants are going to hand you over in a heartbeat? I would encourage you to go look at what they've already done around the January 6th stuff. It's time to switch to Pure Talk. Save money. Same great 5G network so you don't have to stress about service. Right now, you actually save an additional 50% off your first month when you switch. Dial pound two five zero and say Jesse Kelly. That'll save you an additional 50% off your first month. Pound two five zero. Say Jesse Kelly. Switch to pure talk. What, Chris? We can make jokes. It's fine. You got that right. The Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. And sadly, so sadly, it's almost over. Now, don't worry, I don't mean for good, just the show for today. We have to to go. It's the weekend coming. The show's almost over, and I'm going to miss you, and I know you're going to miss me, but we're going to be back here to do it again on Monday. It's going to be a Medal of Honor Monday, and we're going to tackle all these problems. In a second, I'm going to get to all these emails I didn't get to, and there's a big old fatty stack of those things. First, I want to talk to you really quickly about your hormone levels. You know why there are so many estrogens in the water, right? You see, testosterone levels are dropping because of synthetic estrogens that are all throughout our water. Why are they in our water? Well, they're in women's birth control, and women relieve themselves, and that goes into water treatment. Either way, you end up drinking it. The estrogen stays in there. All the filtration and cleaning leaves the estrogen in there. You need a male vitality stack from Chuck. Whether you're 20 or 90, you need a male vitality stack. 20% increase in your testosterone in 90 days. Ladies, you need a female vitality stack. But it's it's, it's about a lot more than that. We have got to have a renewed focus on natural solutions to everything. As our traditional institutions get more and more rotted, natural solutions is going to be the way to go. And Chalk is there. Endless natural herbal supplements. 35% off subscriptions. Whatever you want, go get a subscription to save money. Then you don't have to remember to reorder it either. Chalk.com. C-H-O-Q- com promo code JESSE gets you 35% off. Chalk.com, promo code JESSE. And now... Here's a headline. Buy go, you know, the, you know the thing. Emails! We didn't get to. Hey, Jesse, I was listening to your show today, How the Lunatic Environmentalists Want to Slowly Kill Us. Admittedly, I'm a bit of a conspiracy theorist, but I'm curious if you think the coronavirus was a practice run for these elites. Oh, of course. I'm not saying they put it out on purpose, although they very well may have. I've I not ruled that out at all. I don't know that we'll ever know the answer to that. I don't know whether they put it out on purpose or not, but it's one of two things. Either they put it out on purpose or about five minutes after it got out, they realized they had a tremendous opportunity on their hands to gain more money, gain more power, bounce Donald Trump out of office. They were licking their chops the second they got this thing. It's one of the things so many Americans still can't fully wrap their minds around, that coronavirus, while they had everybody scrambling in this society with the dumb mask and the stupid clot shot and closing your business and everything else, the elites were having the time of their lives. The time of their lives. It was, it was the greatest moment of their lives. Historical Oracle couldn't join the, the crew for the trip in July. He was farming in the summer harvest. He's talking about our Israel trip. We're headed to the Holy land in October. I got two very beautiful, smart little ladies, 12 and 14, trying to provide them context for what they're going to experience. How did you prep your boys videos to watch tips on super secret spy food and stuff like that. And yes, he says doctors would, or daughters would have you wrapped around yourself. I give them grief, but wow, the sad eyes from a 14 year old daughter will tear you apart. His name is Larry, and the girls are Alexandra and Catherine. Those are beautiful names. No, if they're 12 and 14, you won't need any prep work beforehand. Don't get me wrong. If you're more knowledgeable about the Bible, it helps because it puts things in context. You know, you're reading a story about uh, the devil challenging Jesus. Hey, throw yourself off the cliff. That kind of a story. Everybody knows that story from the New Testament. And then you get there. And they're going to point out to you, hey, that's the cliff where that happened, and that stuff is jaw-dropping. But the tour guides are so good over there, they put them through school for five years to be a tour guide. It's not like you go for a month and you're qualified. Man, those guys have forgotten most about what people know. Hey, Jesse, why aren't the devastating effects of divorce, both economic and sociological, never discussed by politicians? Countless lives of spouses and children are compromised in the short and long term by divorces purely of choice. When no addiction, abuse, or adultery is able to be proven, it should be much more difficult to be granted a divorce because of how ruined it is to the construct of a nuclear family, paying one set of bills, so on and so forth. Please let me know your thoughts. Well, first, your, your question was, why don't politicians talk about it? Politicians only talk about what will get them votes. In America, the divorce rates high. It's it's high. It's very high. What does that mean? That means we have tons and tons and tons of divorced people in the country, which means you don't stand up as a politician and scream about the evils of divorce if you want votes because people don't want to feel bad about anything that tends to make them shy away from voting for you. That's why they do it. Yes. Look, there's another part of this, too. Yes, divorce is extremely destructive. Every friend and family member I have who's gone through it, it's just been horrible watching it. That said, life is hard. And life is complicated. And maybe, maybe you've been through one or two divorces already. They're brutal and they're horrible. Yes, they are. I just don't think politicians have the ability to fix that problem, right? Again, we turn to politicians... When we should be turning to ourselves, we don't have a politician problem. We have a people problem. We have these people in charge of us because of us. We do. We don't want to think about that. We don't want to talk about that. It makes us uncomfortable to think about. But these people rule us because they're exactly who we are. They're what we deserve. Politicians can't do anything about divorce. I recently moved my entire family, grandmother, father, wife, son, and myself to a blood-red state of Kentucky. The problem I have is we have a Democrat governor. I'm hoping this state doesn't take the same direction of Pennsylvania. Am I a fool for doing this? No, you're a brilliant human being. Your whole entire family will have better lives for doing this, and don't you worry about the blue state of Kentucky. There was a lot that went into Kentucky having a Democrat governor, a Republican legislature, a Democrat governor. There's a lot. That goes into that. I don't think that's going to be a permanent solution. Either way, Kentucky is not a blue state. Rest easy. No big deal. You made the right call and your family will be better off for it. Jesse, does the following saying apply in your experience? Men forget, but never forgive. Women forgive, but never forget. I've been figuratively stabbed in the back. I've never been figuratively stabbed in the back, merely grazed, but it tends to ring true for me. Men forget, but never forgive. Women forgive, but never forget. That probably is a very true staying. Obviously, it's not universal. I'm extremely forgetful about various little, very tiny little things here or there. I'll forget about this experience or, or this vacation, right? Or this meal we had here, this family reunion. I'll misplace it. It's just not in my mind until someone brings it up, then it'll pop in. But if you've done me wrong, Sadly, I, do, I just can't ever let it go. Women, I, I can't speak to women whether they forgive but never forget. I don't know about the whole forgiveness thing, but they certainly never forget. All right, listen to me. We have two days. Why don't we make sure this two days is free of the news of the day, free of politics, free of the troubles of the world, which will be here for us on Monday, I promise. Put your phone down this weekend and spend it in person with friends and family. All right? And we will do this again on Monday. That's all.
3: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. Avito, the temper of sunny the warmth of fredo and the coldness of michael
0: to the legend behind la Bamba, lou diamond phillips when i walked in i didn't think i had a shot at richie because john stamos's picture was already up on the wall listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts hey i'm jay shetty and i'm the host of the on purpose podcast